Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Paul, can we have some raucous applause? That's right, fellow conspiracy realists. The time has finally come according to some, on June 25th, 2021, just a few days ago as we record this episode, the U.S. government released a document with the incredibly unappealing name Preliminary Assessment, colon, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. This is a... Oh, but it's... It, look, look, look. It, I know it's a it's a annoying title in that it's just so bleh. But right. think, think about what that means, you guys. What it's actually <laughs> saying. Yeah, it's saying... Preliminary assessment UFOs. It's yeah. it's it's a nine page 
publicly available analysis that you can read right now. If you lived in the U.S., you paid for a small part of it. This looks at a lot of phenomena that was previously considered rumor, tall tales, internet BS. In short, it's the thing ufologists have dreamed of for decades and decades, something called disclosure. We have earlier episodes on this aplenty. Uh, We even have a limited series that we're releasing uh, to focus on this topic. In today's episode, as well as in this miniseries, we ask just what exactly is in this report and whether, when it comes to UFOs, there's something the government still doesn't want you to know. Spoiler. The answer is yes. Here are the facts. First things first, this is new, but it's not really new. Yeah. Um, you know, if, read along. It's good light beach read, if you wish. But it's not the first time in the uh, United States that we've investigated unidentified flying objects, which are now referred to as uh, the quite less sexy unidentified aerial phenomena or UAP. Um, the United States has investigated reports like this in the past with things like Project Blue Book, for example. Matt, I know that's one of your favorites, especially of the old uh, video series. Oh, for certain, Project Blue Book was a secret study that was being done. There was no congressional uh, report. It wasn't even 20 pages. It wasn't one page. It was just a it was a thing that was created behind closed doors. It was studying these very things, these unidentified aerial phenomena. The United States Air Force were the folks behind that one. It went from March of 1952 to December of 1969. So it had quite a quite a nice little run there. Um, but guess what? That also wasn't the first time they looked at UFOs. Right. So to be clear, Project Blue Book was some of the encounters that the public had with researchers for Project Blue Book doubtlessly lent credence to the legends of the men in black, you know, because someone who is vaguely with the government really wants to follow up on that thing you said on the radio or that thing you told the local paper about, and then their ghosts, they vanish. Maybe decades later, you learn uh, about the small role you played in this. That's because you've been mind erased, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, uh, the the government at the time, I regret to say their ability to erase things from consciousness has it hasn't reached sci-fi level yet. The best way to do it is through propaganda, wag the dog. They can erase things from public consciousness, but there are there are always individuals who get by until, you know something goes awry with them. right. It's just a matter of repeating the the same story enough times where people just forget the true story. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Again, we, as far as we know, they don't have that tech. Right, right, as far as we know. Uh, so like you said, Matt, this was not the first investigation of its type. It came on the heels of two similar studies, Project Sign in 1948, and then its successor, Project Grudge in 1949. Funny story, Project Sign was initially called Project Saucer. All caps. Uh, but that might have been a little too on the nose for Uncle Sam, especially because <laughs> they were trying to keep it under wraps. Grudge is so aggressive, though. What's that about? Well, dude, think about what happened in 1947. A little thing called Roswell. Huh? <laughs> never, never huh? Heard of it. I don't know what you're talking about. How cool is it that there were official United States Air Force studies and, you know, just government studies in general about UFOs right after the Roswell crash, uh, alleged crash? 
Right, right, right. Uh, an alleged weather balloon, and or <laughs> depending on uh, who you ask. So, yeah, you're right. These two earlier investigations, Sign and Grudge, they're not as well known as Blue Book or this most recent UAP assessment, but they did establish an incredibly important precedent. The government decided that whatever the hell was going on in the sky, military intelligence had to investigate it because we have to remember these are the days of the Cold War. Both the USA and the USSR are intensely concerned, uh, terrified that their rivals might gain a technological edge, especially if it's one significant enough to decide the fate of human civilization overall. And this was not an invalid fear. This was very well-informed paranoia. But for us to understand this new report, we have to look a little bit further into the context of these existing things, right? Like this is being, this report is being called unprecedented in 2021. And in some ways it is, but it comes from this lineage of the sometimes contentious governmental military perspective on these inexplicable things. Like you can see some common assumptions as well as some conclusions. Blue Book did a lot more than the current report and the earlier two reports. They collected over 12,000 purported UFO sightings. And they, they did something a lot of these papers do, which is valid. They conclude the majority of these events can be chalked up to misunderstood natural phenomena or to uh, misidentified aircraft. You know, maybe you just haven't seen a lot of planes, dude. Isn't that largely where we're at with the current report? Or I don't mean to be spoilery. Mm, no, actually. Not quite. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, good. No, good. And, and the other thing here is that those 12,000 reports, uh, one of the reasons there are so many is because they're collecting reports from everyone, from a police officer that saw something to a, a bystander on a farm somewhere, in a city somewhere, who are not military personnel. And that is very different from what's being looked at in the current report, because those are military officials usually. Fair enough. And um, so some, according to this report, there ha there may have been some secret aircraft that might have played a role. And uh, the U.S.'s own secret spy planes, uh, the A-12 and the U-2, might have also been mistaken for UFOs. I mean, they're oddly shaped. They're very um, untraditional looking aerial crafts. So that would make sense. But a grand total of 701 reports were classified as unexplained with a few pretty notable caveats. Yeah, the, the funny thing to me, uh, the reason I think it's so odd about the U-2 and the A-12 is that the U.S. managed to scare the shit out of itself with its own things, which is, you know, a, a positive statement for their operational security. But to those caveats you mentioned, Noel, uh, yeah, they're very, very careful in Blue Book to say there is no evidence that these sightings we categorize as unidentified at present represent technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. That is going to be hugely important later on in the episode. Uh, there's also, they say, no evidence that any of these unidentified sightings were extraterrestrial vehicles. They went far enough in that report to, that, that's one of the closest official documents uh, that mentions the E word or the A word. Mm -hmm. And it's only like, it's only there to dispel speculation. Well, and they're being very careful with what they're saying. They're saying there is no evidence 
to conclude that, right? That these were extraterrestrials. Um, so they weren't able to, it's, it's not as though they're saying none of these were extraterrestrials. They're saying we have no evidence that would point to that. Right. Right. And think about what that would mean. Like, how would you actually have evidence that one of these things is extraterrestrial craft? You would have to have like photographic imagery of something, uh, Close enough to prove that or what? Well, you'd I have mean, to have a chain of custody of some kind to prove the provenance of the craft that you're looking at and say. Well, that's Yeah, that's a yeah. good observation. You have to have extraordinary evidence to back up the extraordinary claims. So uh, you would need something like a photograph of something that was clearly intelligent and non-human. Picture your favorite variety of alien, furry, scaly, gray, big-headed, we don't care. Wearing a t-shirt that says, Earth Girls are easy, why not? It's an okay film, but it doesn't hold up. And then they'd be standing next to the president at the time, holding a newspaper with the date the photograph was taken. You know, you <laughs> yeah. need, I'm saying you need a lot of stuff. Those were the furries, right? The furries were the aliens in question, and Earth Girls That's are right. easy, right? Oh, and that yeah. movie w- didn't come out on Earth until like the 80s, so, exactly. or 80s, <laughs> 90s. Yeah. So and traveling through space for like, you know, <laughs> low these many years before we got it. You guys are having a lot of fun with this, but I am, I'm being a little serious when I say you would need to have a, a photograph of a ship that showed writing or some kind of technology that you could prove wasn't generated on the earth Correct. by humans, I right? A, and how do you do that? I don't think a photograph would do it. I think I it agree. would be physical evidence of a mechanism. Like a crash in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. <clears throat> anyway. Mm-hmm. But if that were an alien crash, that would be helpful. Well, it's what we think about in terms of like an alien autopsy type situation or like really having, you know, a uh, physiological artifact from said crash that we can dissect and then, you know, filter through science and then say, okay, we don't, this doesn't exist. You know, we, we can compare this to like a mongoose or whatever. And we, we do not have anything that represents this particular species or, you know, DNA strain or whatever. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a well, scientist, could, but. Yeah, it, it, I, we're all agreeing with the, same, with the same thing, I think, which is you would need to have physical evidence of some sort. One other thing that could be tremendously useful that uh, sci-fi authors speculate on occasionally would be elements that do not exist on our current periodic table. The most profound of those would be would be elements that are known as, it's a hypothetical thing. Uh, No one's proven it yet, but there's this possibility people have speculated about uh, that says there's an expanded periodic table, right? If we knew everything in the universe, there would be an expanded periodic table. The vast majority of those heavier things um, are unstable elements, right? They exist for a very short amount of time, but there may be what's described as an island of stability where there are uh, elements we would not recognize that are super, super dense, but they're somehow not instantly just exploding again. And they would be around for, you know, maybe days or so. That would be proof. Yeah. Isn't that something along the lines of what we have in the work of our buddy Jeremy Kenyon Lockyer Corbell, um, who did a film called Patient 17? And there was a, an issue in that that was addressed about uh, a gentleman that claimed to have been abducted or, or, you know, contacted in some way by extraterrestrials and had some sort of embedded piece of shrapnel in his body that was supposedly, according you know, to the film and the reporting, some unidentified element. 
Right, but yeah, but again, as we as we always have to say uh, when we talk about this sort of stuff, unidentified doesn't mean unprecedented, unfortunately, you know. But but yeah, do check out that documentary. Would love to hear your thoughts on it, folks. Um, as as the years wound on since the Blue Book days. More and more, and, and since it was declassified, more and more people embellished this tale, or they claimed it was a red herring to distract folks from any number of alleged unproven conspiracies, such as the the wonderful story of MJ Twelve, the Majestic Twelve, the uh, purported secret organization of scientists, tycoons, and top minds who met with the president, learned aliens were real, and tried to figure out how to deal with that in secret. That is such a cool story. I love it. Yeah. I, I love that one. But so it, it seemed like consigned to history books, right? A, an anomaly, a good history channel special every so often. But something must have changed. Blue Book, Sign, and Grudge didn't stop because reports stopped. They stopped for other reasons, like uh, the inability to find hard proof uh, for the detractors or the lack of uh, further information or analysis, they all ended up kind of shrugging their shoulders at the end. But then, in 2007, the government resumed investigating UFOs through the formation of some... Just, folks, heads up, there are going to be a lot of acronyms here. We're sorry, that's government writing, not us. The formation of something called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP. Ah, tip. It almost sounds like the AARP or something. It's not a couple letters off from that. Uh, it's uh, kind of like that. Wait, <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, I mean, it's when got you consider the who's involved. Uh, yeah, fair uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's uh, created by uh, then Senator uh, or Senate Majority Leader, rather, Harry Reid. And he had some help from some other uh, colleagues, uh, Senator Ted Stevens and Daniel Inouye. This is interesting because um, the two party system was still pretty. Divided at this time, obviously, uh, perhaps not as much as it is in the current day, but this was a bipartisan initiative. There were people on both sides of the aisle who probably didn't agree with each other about much much of anything, but they they did say, "Okay, let's let's figure out what's going on." Uh, and we've got a we've got a neat little retrospective clip here from Harry himself, Matt, that you found. When I started talking about this years ago. People made fun of me, and uh, even my own staff thought I was crazy in talking about it. But in hindsight, I'm glad I did. So, yeah, he's saying pretty explicitly that he encountered some stigma for his interest. And stigma will also become important uh, in Act 3 of the, today's episode. So, and, and just to point out, it's because since 1969, from that point up until 2007, it was very much treated like this is a sci-fi concept. This is fiction. It's, there's no reason to put any kind of time or money into this whole thing with unidentified aerial phenomena or UFOs or whatever you want to call it. ETs aren't real. Let's just move on from 69 to 2007. And then if, you know, a group of senators who represent us, who we vote for, uh, went in and just, they did it, man. Well, that's pretty, they, that's pretty cool. They also did it because, um, a, great deal of congress is run by a private financial interest what uh, yeah there's a billionaire that's not true a billionaire you're you're familiar with if you've 
been if you've been in the world of ufology named robert bigelow and he's the one who put the hard sell on reed to Are do you talking this. about robert bigelow male billionaire hello mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh ufo know, enthusiast i'm sorry i'm sorry, I'm sorry. This group, the formation of this group, plants a seed, and that seed later grows into the strange report that just came out a few days ago. Interesting note, uh, you've probably seen uh, interviews with people like Luis Elizondo and so on, uh, and he was running he was running this for uh, quite a while, and he is, to his credit, he's pretty transparent about what he did, what the program did, and uh, where he thinks things could be improved or what lessons were learned. But his program, this program, was not really, it wasn't classified, classified, because Elizondo can freely talk about it, but it had zero publicity and it operated in obscurity until 2012. Official. Elizondo is such a fascinating dude. Can I, can I just take a second to apologize for my uh, Deuce Bigelow reference? That was inappropriate. And, uh, I I offer my humble uh, mea culpa for that one. Are you apologizing Why? to Deuce or yeah. I'm apologizing to the listeners uh, and to to both you and Matt and uh, Super Producer Paul Mission Control Deckant. I, I mean Rob Schneider is a, a pretty approachable guy. I think you think so. I think yeah. he'll be fine. Yeah. But what if he's in animal mode? What if he's like you know thinks he's a, a cheetah or something? You know I wouldn't want to approach that. Just let him get it out of his system and then you know. And then de-escalate and and have a conversation, <laughs> but keep us in the, keep us in the loop on this, Noel. We got your back. So in 2012, it uh, information started to come to light. I remember how excited we were when we're starting to hear whisperings about this. But again, it wasn't until five years later, I think December 2017. That's when the DoD, the Department of Defense, came forward and said, "Yes, there is a thing." as part of a defense program that collects data on these UFO sightings by military personnel. And despite the fact that we got rid of this thing that Harry Reid started back Uh, in the day. Tip. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, We're still looking into this thing. We're still interested in it. And that's what led to this thing called the, this group called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force or the... Ah yes, uh, ooh, ooh, that's, are you the like the the, the, the red man Lodge from guy? the dream? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and the uap, uh, that, that, that gum you like is coming back in style. Ben. They're the folks that made this report. Uh, this this is the context of this is the context from which this report sprang. And so when we look at when we look at the newest release, it is crucial that we do not look at it as a single paper. And I'm playing a little bit of a trick on us here. Uh, but instead, look at it as a new chapter in a very, very long story. And with all that in mind, it is time to ask, what's in this report? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. 
Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 24 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Here's where it gets crazy. There are actually two reports. You can only read one unless you are a member of Congress. One of them is classified, was only given to Congress. So what you're what you're hearing about when you're reading the news or you're listening to shows like this is, in fact, that second declassified report. It's like we said, it's only nine pages. It's Brevity has been a source of contention in the UFO community. And when we say the UFO community, we're talking about a huge swath of opinions and perspectives from diehard proponents of specific narratives to hardcore skeptics of anything that bears a whiff of woo, which is in the skeptic world, woo is what you call nonsense. A woo whiff, you say? A whiff woo, yes. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, uh, so- yeah. With flu. Uh, this makes me think of like, I'm sorry to, to go pop culture analogy, but like Frank Ocean like had this record that he was supposed to release and it was going to be this big record for the label that he was on. So instead he released this kind of underwhelming sort of artsy record and then that like fulfilled his contract. And then the next week he released the real one, which was Blonde. Um, and it kind of got him sued. But it's a it's it's pretty clever. It's like it's like here, you guys, here's some red meat for you. You know, glom onto this for a minute and then we'll release the real one later. But in this case, I don't think that holds up because I don't know that they'll ever release the one that only Congress gets to see. Mm, Probably not for a long time. There may be a redacted version somewhere down the line. But so this declassified version refers to 144 total cases. So far fewer cases than Blue Book. But, you know, Blue Book was longer. Uh, In 80 of these cases, 
there are there's corroboration from multiple sensors. So the technology is agreeing, at least in part, with the account of an eyewitness. Yeah, exactly. That's the most important part. Corroborated. That's mind blowing and exciting. And it's unfortunately somewhat deflated by the rest of the report. Just that fact alone just kind of it shrinks like a balloon that's losing air. But uh, and then falls over <clears throat> New Mexico. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But there's, I would say there's juicier stuff here, too. Because there is. There is. There were at least 11 incidents or 11 cited in this report where American jets like warplanes almost hit unknown objects while in the air, mid-air collisions. Yeah. These things, these these planes, by the way, are designed to be nimble and fast, as fast, literally as as agile as we can make them, we be yeah. the U.S. government. And, and equally things, as furious. <laughs> right, right. And these things Nine. got... Nine. And these Sorry. things got... Uh, they almost... I'm cursing a lot in this episode, but they almost got their shit rocked. Yeah, by something that they couldn't identify. And remember, this group is only studying reports coming from U.S. military personnel or the intelligence community. So these are highly qualified people who are making that initial uh, eyewitness report and then to have them backed up by, you know, some sensors and then also to have the witness say, who again is ridiculously qualified, say, I almost got hit by something I could not identify. This is a step above civilian UFO reports calling into the local radio station. It's Very seven steps. So. Yeah, seven it's an steps. order of magnitude more significant. Fast and um, the Furious, seven steps. So perhaps most importantly, in 18 of these 144 cases, the object cited, this, this is another huge piece uh, from my perspective, the object cited appear to have unusual flight characteristics. And why is that important? Well, it doesn't necessarily mean aliens, obviously. The word alien does not occur in this, in this report. Instead, it indicates the possibility of extant technology beyond the understanding of the U.S. military, which is the world's most dangerous, sophisticated, known military force. And until the military knows who created this, the nation as a whole is left in a tremendously frightening position. Which is interesting, and then such a differentiation from what we can typically kind of write some of these sightings off as, which is technology that the military is very aware of, but the civilians are not aware of. This is, again, quite a few cuts above that. Mm-hmm. Like uh, shoe feet, just so, like, just, just like so shoe much. feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're these, they're these shoes uh, that make it look like you're barefoot. So to what end, though, Ben? To what end? Because like somebody might say, like, oh, who's run off after this crime, this this stamp heist? Like it can't be that guy. He's barefoot. They still and won't then, give you service. Are you going to have chest shirt next, Ben? Was this? Uh, it's like we've. You're also actually wearing a shirt, but it looks like it just seems counterintuitive to me. But I, I support you to the bitter it's, end. It's my not me, man. It's not me. It's Uncle Sam. I'm yeah. just predicting it now, guys. Stay tuned. 2023 crotch cr- crotch pants are coming. Watch out. It's not. A, it's not going to be. It's either going to be exactly what you expect or not at all what you expect, and both will be frightening. At the very least, you'll you'll be able to have a whole outfit, a whole naked outfit, and be fully clothed. So, Did you help develop cyberpunk? I feel like you helped do that in some way. The the concept of crotch pants really 
Wow. You're talking about the famous hanged on glitch? <laughs> it's, I think it's a feature for a lot of people at this point. Uh, that was codenamed Doc Holliday. That was, that was her research, credit where it's due. Uh, yeah, right. You're, you're absolutely right. There could be, there doubtlessly is. Tech. We know for a fact there's technology the U.S. government possesses and multiple other governments possess that their public is not aware of. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's all amazing or it's all nefarious. It could just be a few years ahead of, you know, the kind of smartphone you can buy today. Slightly bigger thumb drive than we have available on the market currently. Well, the the, the real question here is whether or not there are uh, compartmentalized parts of the government that have technology that is far beyond what the U.S. government as a whole knows exists, right? Really so, glad you said that, yeah. Right? People writing this report may have no idea that some smaller group of uh, R&D experts have created something revolutionary that is so secret because it's so dangerous. It's so, compartmentalized by design to right. even hide from certain, you know, officials that would maybe compromise the operation, potentially. Yeah, Who knows? compartmentalized intelligence is is a real thing. It's what fiction refers to when it says a need-to-know basis. So it's possible that there's some kind of thing like skunk works in the mix here. Um, and we'll get to that. I'm really glad you said that, Matt. The assessment is doing its best to lay out groundwork assumptions, right? Ground floor assumptions, I should say, before they go to the sky. And one of those, one of those is the idea that all of these sightings have multiple explanations, that if you look at them overall, you can't find one silver bullet. Not everything was a deflating weather balloon, just as not everything was, you know, um, ice crystals. So they, to get their heads around this, they group the sightings into several broad categories. And we'll, we'll walk through those briefly uh, with a direct quote from the report describing them. Number one, this is the one they lead off with, airborne clutter. That's exactly what it sounds like, although personally, for my money, as a taxpayer, I wish they used the phrase sky trash. Trash, trash, trash. Now, right? this is not space trash. This is sky trash, right? Sky trash. So I can't it's wait. not operating in a zero-G situation. So wh where is this trash being launched from, and, and who is responsible? Well, many of them launch from trees, uh, as, as in birds, because <laughs> birds were included. And they start calling birds sky trash. That really tracks for me. I, that really, uh, yeah. really tracks for me. I was thinking, like, Scott, I, I've, I had a friend who used to call pigeons sky rats. Uh, I also think Sky Trash could be a great name for a, a like a reality show once people start living uh, in a permanent airborne environment. You know, mm -hmm. don't kid. Let's not kid ourselves. People would watch it. It would watch Sky Trash. Eighties cartoon, early nineties cartoon, Silverhawks. Remember Silverhawks? Silverhawks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a different era of cartoons, but we we have the exact quote describing what they mean when they foolishly chose airborne clutter over sky trash. Yeah, let's do that quickly. These objects include birds, balloons. That checks out, right? Balloons, we've seen that. That's sky trash. Recreational unmanned aerial vehicles. That's not really trash. That's somebody's investment and hobby. Uh, airborne debris, like plastic bags. That so beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful, though. Yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> Yes, yeah, so that muddle is seen and can affect an operator's ability to identify true targets, such as an enemy aircraft. Just flying plastic bags over the Pacific Ocean. So subheading sub, sub subheading for this, 
people are filthy. Yeah. We, we managed to put trash in the sky. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly trash in the sea. Why shouldn't there be trash in the sky? Then we head into the slightly sciencier sounding uh, natural atmospheric phenomenon, which would be, you know, weather. <laughs> yes, yes, it'd be weather. Uh, it's, it's a kind of miscellaneous category for a bunch of phenomena that's already understood by science. Importantly, and this is, this is in defense of the witnesses, importantly, uh, in some cases, this kind of stuff can be pretty rare, you know, like ball lightning, for instance, is somewhat rare. You know, it's, it's freaky if you actually see it. So this ups the likelihood of some of these things, not all, but some of these things being misidentified. Yes. And we have another quote uh, for this one as well. Uh, quote, natural atmospheric phenomena includes ice crystals, moisture and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. Again, a.k.a. weather. Yeah, but is a thermal fluctuation going to be noticed by a pilot? It depends on the machinery he's flying with, right? Or the uh, the equipment. I, I guess so, but it's just in many of these cases, we know that a witness statement has a lot to do with what's reported, and there's generally, or in many cases, I guess that's not true. I was going to say in many cases, the, the pilot is reporting seeing something. But again, there are other cases where a pilot is reporting, noticing something, like you said, on a radar that a thermal pocket may actually see. So, huh? Wait, right. Matt, quick question. You can't see an infrared? Ah, uh, no, not yet. I, I need to. Bad, man. I'm partially keep going to Keep going to predator school, dude. You'll, you'll, <laughs> yeah, you'll, get, it. you'll get the hang yeah. of it eventually. Don't feel bad, dude. You know I'm colorblind. I'm just winging it at traffic lights, so... Yeah. I hear you. I mean, ocular implants are definitely on my list, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. That's what you think. You have to think about that now that LASIK is freely available for people. Like, is it the, like, what a kick in the pants if you get LASIK and then these new kick ass ocular implants come in. Well, they'll probably be ad supported. Never oh, mind. It's certainly the more extreme version of buying the latest, like, video game system and then a newer, better one comes out. Oh my God. I'm going to get FLIR sick. It's the, it's the latest surgery. The oh, Fleer no, camera. we talked about that on the last uh, uh, listener mail episode. Fleer, the company that makes these uh, cameras that are a lot smaller than you would think. And potentially they've got uh, another line in the works that can go right into your eyeballs. Um, what do we have next on the list, though, guys? Yeah, this is this is a pretty well done segue. Uh, we're talking tech and we're also going back to the point you brought up earlier, Matt. The third category is USG, U.S. government uh, or industry developmental programs. Now it's getting a little more juicy. They say, quote, some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by U.S. entities. We were unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UA reports we collected, meaning that this is the beginning of one of the asks from, from the report, because the report is asking for stuff just as it's um, just as it's concluding some things. And so they're building a case for these asks, we'll get for these questions, these demands we'll get to at the end. And not demands, request. Is this referring to like R and D for corporations that aren't government related is that what this is implying quite uh it's <laughs> we have to be careful of the language it's not not saying that it's yeah. not not saying that like wendy's or mcdonald's has a secret <laughs> blimp program oh no it would be blimpy how did i admit <laughs> oh. no we're keeping it in we're keeping it in 
It would be blimpy, though, for the record. I mean, but yeah, you're right. This could mean um, this could mean a non-governmental entity, but they're they're probably without reading too much into intent. They're probably referring to the existence of classified R and D with places like Lockheed or other private public partnerships or private slash government partnerships. And what they're saying is it is possible that they ran into one or more classified projects concerning technology most people don't know about yet. And if those projects exist, whoever runs them did not think this was important enough to reveal their existence. Oh, yeah. Compromise their secrecy. Listen to that. We were unable to confirm again. Okay, you were unable to confirm that. Yeah, that's not you're not you're not saying anything here. <laughs> Do you think this is one of the more telling passages in the report? It is one of them. Yeah, it is one. I I just love to picture like someone someone calling on the phone to some shadowy like shadowy office building or warehouse somewhere and they're like, "Hello, this is blah 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 from you. Uh can uh, can you confirm uh, can you confirm that sighting number 132 is indeed evidence of Project Shoe Feet? And then they're like, wrong number, click. That could have happened. Probably not with Shoe Feet, but it could have happened. But we also know that the government can get all up in your business if you have a patent that threatens national security, right? right. Or, or so it's interesting that they didn't go further into that. Uh, well, think. we're going to talk about one of the reasons why you and I and Ben and everybody else don't get to know everything that exists in this report. Sure. Yeah. I mean, by necessity, you could say the government has to treat members of its own public sometimes as though they themselves are agents of foreign powers. It's an ugly necessity, but it's true. And that brings us to the the fourth category they have. This is probably one of the more frightening ones, foreign adversary systems. This is like... This is what politicians like Marco Rubio were talking about, and it rightly frightens a lot of people. They say specifically some unidentified aerial phenomena may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation, or a non-governmental entity. I should have mentioned that earlier. Such a tricky phrase. Non-governmental entity. Literally anything that is not one of the 197-something recognized UN nations. That's a lot of stuff. That's stuff like, uh, the, you know, um, that's stuff like Unilever. Uh, that's sure. whatever Johnson the biggest, and Johnson. Yeah, whatever the biggest companies you can think of are. Any of the private space companies, that's specifically what sure. I'm thinking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a really good point, Matt. Yeah, that's a great point. And so why is this disturbing? Well, it's because the U.S. spends a ton of money, blood, and time trying to stay as up-to-date as possible on the capabilities of rival powers. And we're not – like, go back to our phone call example. This isn't just a case of some some asset calling U.S. authorities, right? Somebody who's, like, working at a factory somewhere else and, and calling authorities and saying, hey, so-and-so has invented – a new kind of ballistic missile, a new kind of ICBM, so watch out. It's more along the lines of a bunch of different people in the in the U.S. intelligence ecosystem saying like, hey, we've been monitoring this professor's work, their latest research, their recent travel, and we also noticed, and they start to do a kind of a Charlie Day thing, we've also noticed that there's an increase in imports of, you know, whatever, and a retooling of this factory that had previously been 
mothballed and insert this fact and this fact and this fact, and then they corroborate it and they say, we predict country X is working on, you know, a ballistic missile, blah, blah, blah type. And unless we do anything, they're going to have a prototype in about two years. It's predictive. That's how the system's supposed to work. Yeah, that's that's not terrifying. I mean, it's also comforting, but it's terrifying. It's comforting. It's terrifying. Terrifying. For never mind. We we we'll work on this later. Um. Yeah. No. It reminds me of like. I guess the idea. Maybe this is more the private industry thing, but I picture like a a scientist, like a rogue scientist, working on something in a lab, and the government gets wind of it, and then the men in black come and take him away. You know. Like uh, a Wilhelm Reich type situation, the idea that he's working on some sort of mystical rainmaking machine that could you know, threaten, uh, you know, the government in some way. Yeah, exactly. And this this means that if there is a earthly technology made by a foreign power and it's something that remains inexplicable after repeated direct observation, it doesn't seem to be. Uh, deterred by any conventional countermeasures, then that means there would have been innumerable indicators of the research and the construction leading up to those observations. So that means multiple agencies would have had to miss some pretty blatant signals over a fairly long period of time. And if that's true, then that means we have no idea what else that enemy power could be working on. And this point right here these foreign adversary systems this is why there's any money for for this to be written this is why anyone in the government and military and intelligence community is actually interested in these reports it's because of the potential for that situation that ben just described yeah exactly right that's what a lot of people who look me absolutely not believe in the existence of extraterrestrials or the existence of other non-human intelligent life. This is the thing that keeps those folks up at night. But this isn't the end of the report. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then let's get weird with it. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs, on-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. There is one more category. My favourite. Yes, mine as well, Noel. It is other. Other. You knew it was coming, folks. Other. That's right. Just like Project Blue Book, this report keeps an empty seat at the explanation table, and they are incredibly careful to never say alien, to never be like little green men or anything like that. But other could literally mean anything. So my pitch is, what about sky wizards? Can we just please have like some, like, this has been described as a sky wizard by pilots observing the phenomenon. I mean, clearly, the sky wizards could really help with the sky trash problem. You know, they could <laughs> yes. just like dematerialize it with a swoop of their sky wands. So, ah. lame. I went through this thing where I was just writing down funny phrases that had the word sky in them. Those are those are the two that made it sky trash and sky wizards. I love it. I want archons, though, like energy beings. Yeah, I want that. I want archons just made of pure glowing light. Yeah, they're really, really good at destroying Zerg structures. Uh, I don't know. That's what I generally am aware of them for. I thought you were going like Archons from the Invisibles from a microscopic universe. Oh, no. I was Seeking. firmly in the StarCraft universe. Okay. No, I, I think was wondering which nerdiverse you were uh, playing in. <laughs> <laughs> we're in all of them. We're in a nerd multiverse. But uh, let's let's take a look at how this report how this report tackles its most controversial category here well it frames it up uh in a way that they hope i imagine we can wrap our tiny you know civilian brains around um it says quote although most of the uap described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on analyze and characterize some of them we would group such objects in this category, pending scientific advances that allowed us to better understand them. Whew. The UAPTF intends to focus additional analysis on the small number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics, remember from earlier, uh, or signature management. Now, now, Ben, signature, this is like thermal right like 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 what it's putting off what kind of energy it's putting off right yeah this this refers in general to uh to the idea that some of these things some of these like objects you could call them were emitting interference signals or they were they were emitting stuff that the the jets 
the aircraft, the known aircraft, could detect, and that the way these signatures uh, may have been deployed either to obscure their appearance on sensors or to um, impair the function of those sensors may it, it, something about it may have appeared purposeful. They're not gonna. Yeah. They're not they're gonna explicitly say that the, the the scariest thing here is that one sentence they put in the middle. We may require additional scientific knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Blue Book. That's why we said this would be important. We got there. They're saying humanity, mm-hmm. or at the very least, the humans of the entirety of the U.S. government don't know enough about science to explain what's happening. That's unfortunately pretty anti-Sky Wizard, but I think it's, I think it's a, a profound point. It's an incredible admission. It's almost like saying we don't know enough about life on Earth to explain or disprove the existence of God. You know what I mean? It's it's a very interesting line, or it's a very interesting statement of a thing that I think we all know exists, but it's not something you typically see the government copping to. Yeah, it's literally, this thing is advanced beyond our understanding of this moment, of, of current understanding for us, at least on this team that are generating these reports, right? Or on this on this team that's generating this report and on the people who are observing these things, at least those 18 that had weird flight patterns and whatever other handful that was doing the signals stuff that I mean, that's I think that's as close as we're going to get to somebody's visiting us. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're also they're also importantly noting there's a very small sample size available. They have a lack of the the data that they would ideally have for all these reports. But they're they're admitting there is a mystery afoot. And that that is one of the biggest revelations of this report. Uh, they go into detail about it. This is the moment you should freak out, by the way, if you are a fan of disclosure. Uh, They say some UAP appear to remain stationary and winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at a considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. In a small number of cases, military aircraft systems processed radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. That's what they mean by signature management. And... And then they start to come to some conclusions. Perhaps most importantly, they explicitly say that whatever this is, it poses an active hazard to flight. Means It means that some of these are physical objects. These are not just misidentified pretty lights in the sky. And then they say there could be a broader danger if they represented uh, sophisticated, unstoppable surveillance uh, of military activities. But... On one good note, they say, well, it's kind of a good note. It goes back to your earlier note about language there, Matt. Uh, The report finds no evidence so far that UAP are tech from a foreign power. And then it cites constraints on its ability to properly investigate the sightings, offers suggestions on how to improve the research. So we say what to improve. Now we get to the request that they have. Yeah, and they they do have some requests. And and we can probably argue a little bit about how actually needed these things are, but I, I would just money. <laughs> I would just want to <laughs> say, um, in the report, they do point out that many of these sightings occur around active military operations and or um, tests and practice runs and the, these kinds of things. Again, likely because, and they even say this in the report, likely because 
these are military personnel. So when, you know, when they've got a jet out running a test flight or something, that's when they encounter something. Or if they're doing um, some kind of war game, that's when they encounter something because they're actually out doing stuff. They're not just, you know, sitting on a base somewhere with some binoculars. And my whole point here is just to say that it would make sense that it would be considered more threatening by the government because these things are occurring when military operations are occurring. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So this is, so they see a clear potential for danger, right? And they're, makes everything makes you want everything that they indicate or allude to really makes you wonder what's in that classified report. So here's what they want to improve. And they were public with the stuff they want. Uh, They want better reporting standards across all the armed services. They want more consolidation of data and they want deeper analysis. They want aviators to have less stigma about reporting strange stuff in the sky. And they also want these aviators not to halt test or training when they see something unusual, but to keep eyes on it and come back with the, as much information as they can, that's a, that's a behavior that would have to be learned because, you know, in general, when you see stuff like this, you're, you're supposed to, you're probably going to halt what you're doing, right? Yeah. Uh, and then this is a huge yeah. deal, removing the stigma, because that's uh, one of the major reasons for a long time in the military, why you just wouldn't talk about it if you were a pilot and you saw something is because you would get ridiculed and who knows, maybe even in trouble because you're not seeing things clearly or you're seeing things that aren't there. Um, it's just it. If we can get rid of that, then we're going to get a lot more than 144 reports real fast. True, true. And there'll be reports of the same caliber, right? These will be uh, from experts, from professionals in the military. They also, I thought this was pretty smart. They also want to expand data collection and analysis through algorithms. So being able to run analysis that allows them to locate UAP hotspots or clusters, if those exist, and then to identify like a baseline measure for unusual stuff. And that's hugely important because that would let you know if activity was picking up. And then, of course, money. I mean, we're not joking. They, they, they want money. Like a lot of government initiatives, they definitely need more funding. And they propose three plans, a UAP collection strategy, an R&D technical roadmap, and an overall program plan to help figure out where that money should go. And it sounds like a bit of a cash grab, sure, but it's not unfair because those steps that we just outlined need a ton of coordination, need a ton of funding, and each, each thing they need comes with a price tag. And that, that is where the report leaves off, right? There is a need. And we, we know we can make a plan for our next steps, but we need support, we need funding, we need more information. And when we get to the question of what happens now, well, the figurative UFO is still up in the air. Uh, these, these things, whatever these UAP phenomenon or reports are, they probably didn't stop. It's not like they just petered off. Uh, This is an ongoing event. And honestly, if we're going to be cynical, we're going to talk brass tacks about it. The two big deciding factors are how credible a threat policymakers see this as being and how public reaction goes. That's going to determine the political class's opinion on the investigation. As 
much of a bummer as it might be to admit it, that's not really a bummer. If supporting further research feels like a ticket to re-election, yeah, most politicians are going to support it. I, I, you know, you could say that's depressing because it's clearly self-motivated, but it's also representing the will of their constituents, you know? So can we really fault them? I don't know if we can. No, I don't think so. But the the biggest takeaway for me is something that that George Knapp really, really hit on when he was reporting on this for, oh gosh, I can't remember what it was for. I know it's a Las Vegas. It's eight news now in Las Vegas. That's where he's reporting. Uh, and he's from mystery wire. You may recognize the name George Knapp, but one of the big things he pointed out is that this nine pages or six actual pages that we got to look at that we we'd mentioned at the top of this are nothing compared to the 30 pages that Congress got. And if this thing does get funding and this program goes on for, let's say, a decade. Man, fingers crossed. Let's say a decade. Imagine all the information that would be gathered, and then we'd get at least an 18-page report. <laughs> why, 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 why did they owe us the nine? I mean, oh is a strong word, but, like, what compelled them to give us the nine-pager in the first place? Other the than, Senate. like, leaks over... Right, but, I mean... That's it. It's just literally like, okay, people have questions. This is like a, a public issue, a, an issue of public concern. We need to tell the people something. It was a pork and it was a piece of pork in piece one of, of the bills that got passed for COVID relief. Correct. I think that's how this, that's why they had to give a report. Yeah. They were mandated given a time frame. It's not as like, I, I it, it feels like a good faith effort, but again, we're in the same boat as Yupt because they are, um, they're saying they don't have enough information. Yeah. And that's what we're saying too. And Knapp is absolutely right. You have to wonder what's in the classified report. There may be specifics in there that change the course of conversation, but it's tough to guess whether there would be anything in there that would be considered revelatory by the average member of the public, right? The classified report, you know, what's most likely is that it contains other classified information about U.S. censor capabilities. That's something, you know, the average member of the public probably wouldn't care about, but something that intelligence in a foreign country would be very interested in knowing. And then surveillance methods, maybe, maybe possible secret technology, classified technology, or maybe it's just there are specificities unredacted about the individuals reporting, you know, their names, things that they probably don't want to re have released to the public because they don't want UFOlogists hounding them at home. You know what I mean? Uh, it could be any of those. In my favorite world, you guys, I like to think that instead of a 30-page report, what it really is, is like a nice a go get them tiger letter to Congress from actual aliens. You know, in you guys case, are doing a good job. Got a little balloon and saucer, and then you know, Thank it's you signed like service. no one will believe you. <laughs> yes, their written language is like seventeen thousand font, so it's just one character on thirty pages. There it is. <laughs> that character, it's sort of like, like a attaboy. like a like like a serial killer, you know, taunting the police, kind of, you know. Oh yeah, man, see that. or um, maybe they're just trying to reach us about Earth's extended warranty. Or just the fact that, like, hey, maybe, you know, climate change. 
I hope it's written exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, or they're, they're paying the billionaires to convince all of us to go to Mars so that they can have Earth. That's what it is. What I love about this plan is how straightforward it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're joking a little bit, but uh, we we hope you've enjoyed hearing this uh, kind of one-on-one to this report, as well as um, perhaps most crucially, its indications for the future. At this point, we pass the UFO torch to you. Uh, fellow listeners, what do you think? Is this a genuine, accurate assessment released in good faith? Is this a wag the dog, a distraction from something else? Is this the tip of a larger classified iceberg? What happens next? Uh, let us know. We try to be easy to find online. If you have a spaceship, just fly over to Atlanta. You know, we'll we'll take you out. You to Waffle House. Teach to Waffle House. rap music. You don't oh, need no. a spaceship. Uh, we got a pretty big uh, air, airport here uh, you might have heard about. But yeah, you can find us um, on the internet, the usual places of note. We are on Twitter and Facebook and uh, also YouTube as Conspiracy Stuff. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Conspiracy Stuff Show. That's right. If you want to use that little rectangular thing with a black mirror on it, you can also reach us that way. With your mouth. God, I love, I hate love saying that. Uh, you can call us. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You can use your real name, but it's more fun if it's a code name like Doc Holiday or Mission Control. Uh, leave your message right at the top. And if you have anything you want to say to us personally, put that at the end. And please let us know if we can use your name and voice on the show. And if you have a lot to say, We ask that you please, instead of doing it in voice form, send it in the written format to our good old-fashioned email address. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.